you have to look at the trends that are occurring, right? Banks aren't paying taxes, you're going to pay more. That's an obvious deduction. That tells you a lot. You have to look at what they do to determine what you should do. Very much art of war. Understand your enemies so that you can conquer them. Understand the environment so you can conquer the environment. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. We are here today with Eric Rice, who is the Chief Growth Officer for King Operating Corporation. His career started with wealth management for high net worth clients. Then he spent almost two decades building his own businesses. So he's worked with founders and business owners across multiple industries. He's got an expanse of real world experience, and we're just really lucky to have him here today. Welcome to the show, Eric. Well, thank you so much, Mike. Glad to be here. So we were just talking about how we're kind of in an economic situation here that's really different. I guess it's always different, but uh, I think we're a little more different right now than we've been in. What are the things that you're seeing now that make the current situation different? Well, I think, first of all, understanding what's happening right now, you have to understand how correlations work in the market. For example, primarily when the stock market goes up, gold goes down. Okay, I've been watching this stuff for years and years. And for the last two years, we've seen the stock market go up and gold go up. Stock market goes down, gold goes down. Nothing makes sense. In fact, somebody put it online very succinctly. A six-point plan to understand our current situation. Stocks are falling like a recession is coming. That's true at the moment. However, how did they go up, right? We went through the COVID-19, which you could call it a pandemic. I call it a black swan event because it shut down every economy in the world. And somehow the market went up 20 plus percent when no economy was working. And then you have oil prices are rising like there's no recession in sight. Interest rates are rising like we have 10% inflation. Gold is falling like inflation is gone. Housing prices are rising like rates are falling. And commercial real estate is falling like it's 2008. And that's pretty accurate, but let me break that down in simplistic format. We live in a space right now where when inflation goes up, rates go up to push inflation down, right? So it normally works in a fiat central bank system. And what we're seeing right now is the rates have risen at the fastest rate since the late 70s and inflation's still rising. More importantly, true inflation, which everyone knows, our government's lying to us about the numbers. And that was just proven on Monday by the Bureau of Economic Analysis, who revised the entire three years Biden's been in office. We didn't grow our economy by two trillion. We lost 1.1 trillion. So we live in an era where not only are things not correlating properly, we're also not getting the right information. You know, I still remember back about 15 years ago, I made friends with a couple of people who moved here from China. And I said something about, oh, I saw it on the news. And they said, you still watch the news? I go, what do you mean? And he goes, well, we don't watch the news at all in our country because it's just a big lie. Well, America's become the same thing. And to be frank with you, I think most people know this and they're scared to say it. I'm not. This is the third show I've been on today, and I have no hesitation in saying it, especially now that it's proven. But right now, the economic conditions that we find ourselves in, the dollar is rising at the same time that inflation is rising. That doesn't make any sense. By definition, inflation is the devaluation of the U.S. dollar. At the same time, rates are rising, which would describe the fact that the dollar is going up, but it would also make things more valuable, would it not? We're starting to see uh, home prices become unaffordable for 99% of the market. 
you're looking at a single family home mortgage and price going from 254 was an average home in 2020. And then the average mortgage was about 1200 a month. Now we're looking at 430,000 for an average home with a $3,000 monthly mortgage. Most of the middle class is being priced out of just about everything as we speak, and that's not going to stop. Still remember telling economists in November of 2022 that by the end of 2023, we'd see eight and a half to 9% mortgages. They all laughed at me because they said, well, no matter what, the Fed will pivot and lower rates to stimulate the economy. Have you seen that? I have not. What I've seen is a constant rise. And right now, the US Treasury, Janet Yellen, is stockpiling cash. Two weeks ago, we hit $33 trillion in debt for this nation. In a two-week period, we've added another $600 billion, targeting and trending towards a trillion a month, month after month. So there's enough cash stockpiled in the Treasury so they don't have to issue US Treasuries at a higher yield. Rates will continue to go up. Inflation will also continue to go up. And the US dollar ultimately, eventually, will plummet. So these are not normal times. They're all non-corollary events, which means that there's chaos in the marketplace. And one of the things that we need to do is focus in on the factual evidence that we see with our own eyes, not listening to the government, because they have been proven to be lying to us for three years now. And we need to make sure that we understand all the dangers that exist so we can make the right decisions with our capital to make sure that we don't end up in a bad position. That's a lot to soak up. So usually in this show, talking about non-multifamily commercial real estate. And so it encompasses a lot of different things. There's all kinds of headlines about office space, which correlates a little more. Some of the bigger cities have seen some office disasters, some other areas, downtown offices held on, but that is easier to understand because people are working from home still. So when we look at some of the other asset classes, like let's say retail, what is the effect that this is all having on as businesses try and plan for where they stay, how big of a lease to sign? What impact does that have on businesses? Well, it has an effect on the entire economy. So if you look at discretionary spending numbers for retail locations, those are down by about 21% after the revised binomics. So we're seeing that people have less discretionary money, so they have less money to spend at a retail location. They were willing to spend a little more on online purchases and pay for shipping, but I think that's going to be a hit as well. But if you look at the real ripple effects that are coming from the commercial real estate market, which encompasses all commercial, uh, if we look at that, who lends them their money to own the building? We have a very interesting dichotomy coming up, right? So you have a building that someone buys, and in order for them to buy it, they have to go to a bank to get a loan to cover what they don't have in cash or what they don't want to put up in cash. And that creates one area to focus on. The other area to focus on is the fact that once they get the loan, the person who owns the building basically lends three to five years of rent space to someone in exchange for payment. A lease is pretty much a loan. Here's this piece of land and you owe me X amount to stay on it. So if we're looking at the economy as a whole, there's less discretionary spending, higher inflation and higher rates, making it more difficult to get loans as a consumer. Credit card rates are now at 30%. So if we look at all that consumer discretionary spending coming into play, we're looking at less profits for corporations who rent from commercial landowners, right? So that's one problem. The other problem on the other side is who lent these commercial lenders their money? Primarily about 90% of commercial loans are done by regional banks because regional banks focus on a region. They understand their region better than a national bank would. And their lending ladders are being restructured as we speak. I just spoke to a guy in Wisconsin 
that has a 10% loan to value on a commercial piece of property, 10%. It's a $5 million building. He owes $500,000 on it, and he cannot find a bank to give him a loan. That's the state of affairs where we are today. So if we look at this from one side, we have the people who pay rent aren't making enough money to cover their rent. That's causing a deficit in the people who borrowed money from the bank. So the commercial real estate market shouldn't be siloed. It's actually a triggering point for what's to come in the economy. If we continue to see this push by everyone who's honestly too lazy to get into a car and drive into an office, they want to work at home. The government pushes work at home. It's such a great idea. Well, productivity is down 12% since work at home became a thing. That's a fact. People do work better together. They have for thousands of centuries. So if we look at it from a logical perspective, the work at home push is causing landlords to not recoup capital. If they can't recoup capital, they need to restructure their loans or sell their buildings. And if they cannot, if there's not enough buyers in the market who also can't get loans, we're looking at a complete collapse and failure of regional banking systems. And most people have not read the Dodd-Frank Act that came out after the last bubble burst in 2008, essentially eliminating bank bailouts and promoting bank bail-ins. I think we're about to see bank bail-ins in 2024, to be honest with you, caused by commercial real estate. And so the bank bail-in, because we haven't heard that term in a while, just give a brief explanation of how that works. Sure. So a bank bailout is pretty simple. And you have to understand how banks work because most people don't think through things like a supply chain. So the supply chain is I go out, I work, I do work, I earn money. Then I have to hold my money. So I go to a bank and I give them $100. And when I give them $100, that's my asset I'm giving to them, which is now a debt on their books. Because later when I want my $100, they have to give it to me. It's a debt. So they're holding all this debt, which is also known as our money deposits. The way banks work is they take their hundred, my hundred dollar bill I give to the bank, and then they go to the Federal Reserve and they get 10 $100 bills to invest. And if their investments drop so significantly that they can't cover paying me back my hundred dollars, they have to get a bailout. And in general, it'd be the government printing money, giving them money to cover my debt. Make sense? Mm -hmm. So those are now illegal per the Dodd-Frank Act out of 2008. They just did four of them. We've already seen four banks collapse. The news cycle is so fast and furious, you forget everything. And remember this term over the coming year. If you give them bread and circus, they will never revolt. Remember that. So there's a lot of bread and circus, so people don't pay attention. And in the process, because they're illegal, what we just saw on the October 1st was the reinstatement of Title 12 U.S. Code 531, which essentially means that Federal Reserve banks no longer pay taxes on anything but real estate their stock portfolio, their income, their interest, they have now have a tax-free world, which means that our taxes are going to go up. The government will want that tax money and they will get it from the blood of the citizens. So a bank bail-in, same situation. I give you a hundred to the bank. It's a debt on their books. They make bad investments and their bad investments aren't bad investments anymore. They're US treasuries. So that tells you the strength of our country where our treasuries are bankrupting banks. That's already happened. That was exactly where SVB had their money, First Republic, so if the bank is in a situation where they can't cover deposits, having to become insolvent, they can no longer get bailout money, although they will, there will be a couple of them still. There's 1.9 trillion in bailout money still available in the government. But after that, it's not a lot of money. You know, your average bank that'll collapse is 500 billion. So that's like four more bank collapses they can cover with bailouts, which are illegal. So once again, our government is using illegal activities to bolster their campaigns for their next election. Once that runs out, now they're not paying taxes. That's a form of bailout, by the way. If a bank doesn't have to pay taxes and you do, is that fair? So once people realize how awkward and awful that is and they start raising a fuss about it, 
they will have no other choice but to do a bail-in. A bail-in is when a bank can convert debt to equity. So if I give a bank $100, it becomes a debt on their books and they can't afford to pay me back. They just keep my money and give me shares of a defunct bank that it may mean absolutely nothing in the market. I believe this is coming in 2024. I won't guarantee it because I'm not God. I have no way of predicting the future. But I can tell you from a statistical standpoint that this is a very viable possibility that every American should know about. Where are the banks most susceptible? Is there a region of the country or maybe the real estate market is more susceptible or is it kind of the, it could come anywhere just depending on who gets caught uh, on basically on the wrong side of the street that they've been doing things the way banks do things for years, but then it stops working. Well, the regional banks, the ones that cover one, two states, maybe half a state, a quarter of a state, they're obviously more susceptible because they're smaller and they're not federal reserve banks. So they still pay taxes. So these regional banks themselves are the primary lenders of commercial real estate. What most people don't realize is that banks have to have $7 in cash for every $1 they lend. So if they have a bunch of loans that go bad, their ratios fall all out of whack. They're not going to have enough cash to cover their debt. That's just obvious from that ratio standpoint. I've known this stuff since 2007. So if we look at it from which banks are at risk most are the regionals. The problem is you have to look at this from a sovereignty perspective. And like, I really don't care what people think of what I say. We're in a Marxist revolution in America. I can go on for six and a half hours and show you every bit of proof that we have. Either you believe it or you don't. If you don't, God bless you. I hope everything works out. If you do believe me, you should listen to what Marxists do. Marxists try to nationalize everything. They try to nationalize police force. They try to nationalize banks. So if the regional banks get slaughtered, then you're left with four major banks that run all the money in this country and pay no taxes. That is not going to work out well for a freedom-loving community. I promise you that doesn't work out well. Never has throughout all of history. So banks right now, the lending divisions aren't lending money. And that tells me one thing, that they're very, very concerned about their ratios being thrown off. Because if their cash-to-debt ratio gets thrown off, they collapse as a bank. So just the fact that you can't get a loan when you have 10% LTV right now in certain states tells me that these regional banks don't have the cash available still to lend more money, which means they're concerned about their ratios. So if that seven to one ratio falls out of whack, they're non-compliant with banking standards and they can be taken over, just like we saw with Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic. The same type of thing is happening in droves throughout the small and regional banks. So what happens there is the just a bigger bank steps in and the regulators kind of hand it over? Is that the process? In general, they'll be turned over to the FDIC who will structure some sort of acquisition of the bank. Like we just saw Credit Suisse by one of the bigger banks. But those bigger banks also have ratios to maintain. And the more cash they outlay to buy someone else's deposits, the less cash they have on hand to lend. One thing people aren't talking enough about in this country is the impending credit crisis. I just explained it to you, right? 10% LTV can't get a loan. You're a real estate guy. If you have 10% LTV, normally you'd have banks lining up, competing with rates to give you money. Now all of them are declining you. So in that type of situation, you could look at it from a macro perspective and say, your commercial lending will cause a collapse in national banking, a collapse in national banking will cause even less discretionary spending, driving every corporation that needs profits to produce a return for their investors collapsing, providing a pathway for a real economic collapse. And by the way, earlier this morning, Fox News, which is the first mainstream media news outlet I've ever seen say what I've been saying for 18 months, is that 2024 has very strong depressionary trends, not recessionary, 
That's now a foregone conclusion. The BEA has already proven we've been in a recession for two years on Monday. So over the next month, you'll hear about this. But in the coming months ahead, we'll be discussing depressionary trends. And those are really obvious to me at this point in time. If there's no stability in the one place you trust your money to remain stable, there's no stability in an economy at all. So then where for the average person, or maybe not the average person, so most of our listeners are doctors or healthcare providers, and you're hearing this and it's concerning. It's for the most truth people, of my- Yeah. And for most people, the most of their retirement or savings are probably tied up in the stock market. Mm-hmm. And that has always seemed like kind of the safer place to be because it, and it's just maybe it's when the ship goes down that if all of them go down, you feel better. Everybody's in the same boat. So what are things people could look at doing if they want to try and protect themselves and weather the storm? Well, you're 100% correct. So you have to look at the trends that are occurring, right? If banks aren't paying taxes, you're going to pay more. That's an obvious deduction. Also, there's four bills in Congress right now that have really good traction. We'll probably get approved for 2024. You're seeing it in real estate, right? Next year, you get less of a tax write-off for depreciation. This year, you already had it reduced. Next year, it'll be reduced. In five years, it'll be gone. That tells you a lot. You have to look at what they do to determine what you should do. Very much art of war. Understand your enemies so that you can conquer them. Understand the environment so you can conquer the environment. The environment right now is very, very bad in the trends towards consumers, towards civilians. So if we look at the simple fact that right now we know depreciation tax is going away in real estate, what other taxes are going away? Well, you mentioned one, qualified accounts, IRAs and 401ks. There's three bills right now in Congress that are designed to remove the age stature for minimum required distributions. So basically, until you were 70, you didn't have to take money out of a tax-free account. And then at 70, you did. Why? Because they don't want you to have tax-free income. They have to tax everything. We live in Judea at the time of Christ that was occupied by the Romans. We're over-occupied and overtaxed. It's the same. It's why people are talking about the Roman Empire so often right now. So if we look at that from a different perspective, right now, these bills would basically say, based on the amount of money you have in a qualified account, you will be forced into making minimum required distributions regardless of age. So say you're a 25-year-old, you start working, you save $10,000 a year, you're a great trader, you got it up to a million bucks at 35 years old. The government's going to tell you you have to take 5% of it out every year to be taxed on so that we can tax you. And that's the only purpose. Nothing benefit to you except for liquidity. That's the only benefit you'd have. And they need that liquidity with this type of economy so you have discretionary spending that you shouldn't be touching. So if we look at it from that perspective, doctors, real estate investors, doesn't matter who you are. Uh, we are fundamentally moving towards a super cycle in commodities. It's obvious, right? Everything that we have, our money is fake. There's nothing backing our money, zero. It's fiat currency. Everyone knows it's fiat currency. Stocks are all owned by one company called Seed Co. You actually rent them. You don't own them. You rent them from Seed Co, who owns them all. Bonds are the biggest trick that we have right now. So the bond market itself is in triage. The average corporate bond rating is triple B as we speak, the average. That's one step above junk. Bonds are where a majority of the money is held because it's thought to be safe. So you actually need the stock market to crash to build back up the bond market. You see how awkward that is, like the stalemate that we're in? And since most people have these qualified funds, again, going back to a fundamental fiat system, you took my real money, you put it in this fake account that allows me to not pay taxes now, maybe not next year, but now, and then you're investing it in other pieces of paper that I don't actually hold. 
So a fundamental way to think of the new economy, which is coming, is a commodity super cycle. What you hold, you own. So I tell people fundamentally, there's five categories of investment that make sense to me for the last 18 months. I have no investment. I'm not a hypocrite. I have no investment outside of these five. And I've done 44% this year. I have gold and silver, precious metals, raw land, oil and gas, and Bitcoin. That's it. Those are all commodities. Bitcoin is an asset without an issuer. It's a commodity. It's been deemed a commodity. They won't officially say it because it's a competitor of the US dollar. I can do a whole two-hour episode on this because I've taken three years to understand it. But if you actually look at things that have value, tangible value in the real world, if we're going to be overinflated where we can't borrow money because rates are too high, that means the value of our buying power on our dollar is going to plummet. So everything has a triple beam. This is a complete existence of duality. So if the dollar drops in value, which is pretty much a certain, because right now in Iraq today, they have riots in Iraq because the Iraqi banks aren't letting them withdraw their U.S. dollars. That's happening as we speak. So if we look at what's happening here, and they're doing that to strengthen the dollar falsely through an election. That's why they're doing it. So if we look at the value of a dollar triple beaning down, if that plummets, then the value of what you buy goes up, right? Think of a triple beam. You got dollars on one side gold, silver, corn, soy, oil, gas, raw land, it all goes up. Even though the value doesn't change, the cost does. So if the dollar is going to plummet, if the economy is going to trend south in a depressionary era, my grandfather lived through the depression. I still remember the conversations I had at six, seven, eight, nine years old with him about what they did during the depression. They stored away everything that they could touch and hold of value, gold, silver, platinum, palladium, anything like that, that will increase in value. Although, you know, if you listen to guys like Barack Obama, they told you it's a barbaric relic that no one should ever own. Then why are every central bank across the world is stockpiling gold right now and no American is? So you have to look at what the elite status of people would do because they know what's coming. They are stockpiling on everything tangible, wheat, corn, gold, soy, oil, gas, coal, uranium. All of those sectors will flourish during a time of economic turmoil and downtrends in markets. They always have, they always will. So if you don't hold it, you don't own it, even cash. If you don't hold your cash, you may not own it. That's what bail-ins are for. Wow. So <laughs> that's a pretty stark picture for what we're looking at here. And this kind of sets up a picture for how we might be looking differently at our investing because... This is different than you hear from pretty much anybody. If you sit down with your financial advisor at the bank or down the street, over the last 20 years, I've never heard one give a discussion where they're concerned about monetary policy. So what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up today, and then we'll be back with the second half of our show with Eric. And we'll discuss more of investments that are available and things you can do to protect your money. So thank you for joining us. And we'll see you on the next episode. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you found value in this episode, no other surgeons are hungry to become job optional. You can help them by sharing this content today. I also want to serve you better. So I want to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you can take a moment and leave an honest review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. And number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help. 
schedule a call, and we can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.